Thank you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and understanding. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Hello and namaste, friends. Thank you for tuning in once again to the Divine Nobody's podcast. I'm your host for today, Eric Ajna. Yep, fortunately, Jen will not be joining us for this episode today. She is out exploring the very beautiful and curious universe that is her life. And of course, we'll see her again next week. And in true Jen fashion, she'll always bring a little bit of her sassy, warm energy back to the pod where we can wax poetic on all her wonderful journeys and spiritual endeavors, of course. So today I wanted to spend some time with you guys and focus some energy on a topic that's really close to my heart. And uh, as a somewhat inaugural episode, I also wanted to introduce a new series of intensives that may occur from time to time. Uh, where either Jen or myself maybe may feel called to share subjects or themes that are important to us as individuals, where we can connect with you more intimately one-on-one and give our audience an opportunity to get to know us more on a personal level. That's always good, right? We've been doing this for a long time. I think this would cultivate a truly powerful contrast considering she's representing her divine feminine aspect and I'm representing my divine masculine aspects. Me and Jen interchangeably operate from these two dynamics, so it'll make for a very, very interesting interesting times. And uh, we hope that our audience can find themselves right in the middle of these reflections and can extract you know, the wisdom and truth from these topics in the same way that you do during our normal episodes. So without said, this is a special occasion. I'd like to spend some time with you guys today and acquire with you, if we can all together, and uh, work diligently and work fiercely and honestly uh, with ourselves as well as each other while we take this journey within. We're going to be going over a meditation. Now, when you think of the word meditation, a lot brings up a lot of ideas, a lot of thoughts inside of the mind. First is that this is something that we're going to be doing. This is something that requires you to be in lotus position on the floor, in your yoga pants, on your yoga mat, but that's not what I'm talking about today. We're going to do this a little differently because that's what we do here. We do things a little differently and try and get our audience to look at things maybe a different way. So when I say meditation, just keep your mind open because this is going to look a little different today. So if we can at this moment, I'd like to invite you and our listeners to engage in this practice with me. And of course, like I said, it's the practice of meditation. Now, many of us, well, maybe most of us, uh, understand what meditation is in various ways. And depending on how you feel or what your experience is, There may be varying degrees of how it's understood to you. And all of these things are useful. Everybody listening to this podcast has likely meditated before. They may have their own sort of personal practice that they engage in in the morning, afternoon, evening, or even all day long, which is something that I strive to do. Uh, But today, we'll we'll be taking this journey together in an attempt to rediscover, I want to call it like a certain quality of beingness, something that we all have in common, something that we can all tap into, in something that is always, always present, perhaps some of us just may forget that it's there. So, so if we could for a moment check in with ourselves and ease into something, maybe that's much more simple, something much more subtle within yourself. Now, this can look different for everybody, depending on where you're at right now. If you're listening to this podcast, you may not be in the traditional 
position to meditate, and that's okay. And this is something that I definitely wanted to stress. This isn't going to be a situation where you have to check off all of the boxes and meet all the requirements of what we typically see as meditation. If you're sitting on your couch with your headphones on, if you're driving your car on your daily commute on the way to work, all of these things can be practiced today and with what I'm talking about. So in this space today, I'm not going to be providing you with really any methods. Sounds a bit strange, but I'm not going to be giving you an intention to set for yourself or your practice. Because in this space, we're going to pay attention to and honor this practice of meditation together by letting go of everything we know and believe to be true about meditation and the way that you understand it. This doesn't have to be a permanent sort of endeavor. This in this just in this moment, try and do this if you can. In this meditation, you can start in whatever position that you'd like. You can close your eyes or you can leave them open because in this space, we're going to be starting exactly where you are. Just like I said, you can be washing the dishes. You can basically be doing anything. So this can come as somewhat of a relief, right? You don't have to light up some sage. You don't have to get the Palo Santos out. You don't got to get your yoga mat out. You just got to be here with me right now. Okay, be here with me and the audio and my voice and just be present. So if your eyes are closed or open, makes really no difference. It makes no difference to this sort of ocean of movement and beauty that is around us all the time in the darkness with our eyes closed or in the light with all, you know, the matter playing together, dancing together. So you can be looking literally at anything or you can be your eyes can be closed and you can just be looking at the backside of your eyelids. It's up to you. So I'm not going to be providing a method today because to provide a method is to say that you don't know something and that you wish to learn something new. And in some situations, this may very well be the case because I love learning new things, but just today, just with me now, I'm not going to be providing a method. We're not going to be teaching something new. And of course, because meditation is something that we all have in common and in the most natural state, to be honest, this is nothing new to you. This is nothing new to your beingness. This is, in other words, not new information. In fact, this can be looked at more of a, as a type of rediscovery. We're going to look at this kind of as like an unfolding. And uh, also, meditation is not a process. In the way that I understand meditation, this is something that we've talked about various times throughout the, the podcast, is trying to look at meditation a little differently than uh, how most people look at it. A lot of people look at it as a really set process, and this may very well be uh, based on your level of comfort with the meditation process. It can be a process. But I'd like you to start looking at the idea of meditation a little differently, which is by not looking at it as a process. In my mind and in my teaching, meditation is not something that you do. If it is to be anything, if I were to consider it anything, I guess we can call it a direct result of everything that we are. Just unfolding. Just unfolding with a certain quality of alertness and beingness. Right? This is the art of presence. And in the most subtle of ways, this isn't something that really needs to be taught because this is something that already is. So I'd like to, if we could, in this moment now, you don't need to change what you're doing. Just start off by focusing your attention by just listening, right? Listen to the sounds in this room. Listen to the sounds in your room. Listen to the sound of my voice. 
as if it were just sort of like a general hum of the universe. There may be a lot of stuff going on right now. You can hear the cars outside. You can see that one neighbor that just blasts his uh, hip-hop music just at like nine, 900,000 decibels. You can hear the baby crying across the way. You can hear the, the TV of uh, a neighbor. You can hear anything, or you can just hear complete silence if you're in uh, you know, a certain space where silence is available. So just start off by listening. Listen to my voice as if it were just sort of like a general, general hum of the universe. And don't try. Don't try and interpret what it is that you're hearing. Just allow yourself to be open to what I'm saying, just as you would if you were listening to music. And this is the one really beautiful thing that I love about music is because it doesn't, at the very core, have a story. And of course, there's music with words. We all love music with words. We probably affiliate more with music with words. But when we look at the sort of contextual framework of words placed over music, this is just a conceptual understanding placed over the fabric of sound. The vibration of tone and frequency in and of itself is something really mysterious and pure. And that is what makes it beautiful, is that it's meaningless. You know, there's really no point to it at all, such as, such as its beauty. You know, as I get older, I start to have more of an affinity to music that doesn't have words. Because when we get into, especially in my experience as a sound healer, the more we start dedicating ourselves to just being present to the frequencies of sound, I think this unravels and opens up a really, really beautiful space of understanding in us because the practice of being present and open to sound is such a mysterious thing because there's nothing to understand about it. You know, the most beautiful thing about sound is that we have to be present to experience it. It's not something that can really be articulated with words. It can be expressed and it can be felt as an experience. There was a period of time when I was younger where I loved music that had words, and I still do to some extent. There's something very comforting about um, relating to the stories of others and relating to the journeys of others. But as I get older, I just start becoming a little bit more present with my own experience. And I love to utilize music as a way to introspect on my own life and my own experience instead of reflecting on and trying to relate to the experience of others, which is definitely something that you can still do. But this is just my personal preference. So as we open... And become sensitive to sound. Again, there are no proper or improper sounds. There's just sound, right? And there's also no listener of the sound. They're simply just listening. So this is really, 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 really important. I'm going to go over this again. So as we become more sensitive to sound, again, there are no proper or improper sounds. We're not in the space of judgment. We're not trying to differentiate one sound from another. There's just sound. And there's also no listener there's no listener of the sound, listener being that sort of narrative inside of your mind that dictates what you're hearing. There's just simply listening. In this moment, we're just listening. And as we fall deeper into this space, again, don't try and interpret any of the sounds that you hear because you'll notice, you'll notice something really, really interesting happen. Don't try and interpret any of the sounds that you hear because you'll notice that your brain and your mind will start doing this for you with little or no effort. You won't even have to try. And while you're doing this, and while your mind does this, we're simply just watching and we're not participating. And this is really, really interesting, right? Because one thing that you'll notice about this process, if you're being present to everything that's going on, even your own mind, you'll notice 
you can't help but label everything. You can't help but give names to images. You can't help but give na- uh, names and definitions to forms and sounds. In other words, you can't help but talking to yourself inside of your own head or trying to define what is in your present environment. This is something that we do all day, every day, and in some ways are unconscious to it. And there's a, an innocence to it because we want to understand how life works. We want to feel safe and secure in the environment in which we live. And so this is the reason why the mind does this. It scans the environment for looking for things that it knows in order to delve some level of comfort and safety in its environment. But in this space today, I'm simply asking you to be aware of the fact that this is what your mind does. You won't need to get into the process of differentiating what you're hearing because your mind and your ego will do it for you. And in this space, one thing that you will notice is that in many, many ways, there is also this narrative in the mind that somehow, because we're in this sort of active process of meditation, that we should sort of silence these sounds. But I'd like you in this moment right now, just try and awaken to a certain level of awareness. Because as we observe the thoughts arising in our mind, poses a very, really interesting and delicate observation that I think we'll all be able to understand, which is a question that comes up that we tend to ask ourselves, especially when we engage in this sort of process of trying to awaken to awareness. As we begin observing the thoughts that are arising in our mind, it poses a really interesting question and a really delicate observation, which is, who is it that is observing? Sit with this for a moment if you can, inquire with yourself, ask yourself a very stern and honest question. Who is it that is observing all of this happening? So I invite you, if you can, to really look at this moment because there are thoughts that are arising in your consciousness. It could be of memories. It could be of what you think of the sound of my voice. It could be of your career. It can be of your relationship. It can be of anything. There is this movement of thought in your mind and there is this quality there is this observation that is aware of the thoughts in which you think. And a really peculiar thing may happen at this moment. You may say, well, these thoughts are maybe hindering my ability to meditate. This is something that we all do. I know a lot of people, they get very difficult, very hard on themselves when they get to this very moment because we have a definition of how meditation looks inside of our mind. And so if we're sitting down for meditation in our typical lotus pose and we have these thoughts that are just arriving in and out of our consciousness, passing back and forth, there's a thought that comes into the mind, which is like, wow, these thoughts are somehow hindering my ability to meditate. I should do something about this. And because I'm trying to get to this space of stillness and quietness, we think to ourselves that the thoughts that we think need to be somehow alleviated. And at this moment, we tend to think that we have to intervene and somehow create some sort of noticeable impact in our mind in order to get these thoughts to subside. And pay very close attention to this voice, if you can, because the one that wishes the thought to end arises. It arises from the same ego that we're trying to quiet. So you see, it becomes this sort of doubling of our experience, and it creates a lot more confusion, which invariably creates even more thought. Because we, at times, we can, we can become very disappointed with ourselves for not being able to quiet our minds, which typically in most cases, results in us creating another set of thoughts about why. So you see how the ego just goes on and on and on. We get into this sort of loop of trying to quiet our minds by reaching into the same sort of database, the same sort of database from which the thoughts come in order to try and quiet the same thoughts that we're trying to quiet. 
This is always there's something really, really unique and interesting about this. It's something that it took me quite some time to learn early on in my spiritual practice, which is that you can't use thoughts in order to quiet thoughts. You can't use your definition of what you believe it means to be quiet in order to quiet the thoughts in your mind because we're utilizing the same database. We're utilizing the same resource inside of the mind. And eventually you find out that the only thing that happens when you try and do that is you create more thought. It's either the thought of what I need to do to quiet the mind or the thought of not being able to quiet the mind. So to show any want or desire to soothe any thought causes the arrival of even more thought, right? So the best way to approach trying to quiet our minds, and this is really, really good advice that I had heard and I had learned, the best way to approach trying to quiet our minds is to not try at all. Because the very act of trying already implies that you don't understand the nature of the mind. The very act of trying to quiet the mind is a function and a question arising out of the same mind that we're trying to quiet. So the alternate would be, the alternate would be, and it's not always as obvious for some, the alternative would be to leave the mind alone, but not through force, not through force. We're not going to get into this process of giving a talking to to our minds. The best way to understand and quiet the mind is to fully acknowledge and understand how the mind works. So it, it is the, the function of the mind to process information. Let's think about that. It is the function of the mind to process information. It is in this sort of constant need of wanting to resolve an issue of some sort, of wanting to fix or feed, keep us alive, and basically to survive. And of course, this isn't bad because it keeps us alive. It feeds us, it provides us with shelter, gives us the ability to have this experience in life, gives you the ability to listen to this podcast. It contributes to a lot of really amazing things in life. But the difficulty with mind is when we begin to burden it with questions that it can't understand or answer. See, the mind is, is really, from my experience, it's, it's very limited in the quality of beingness that it can experience. It's limited to the senses. It is limited to what that which it can put into words and understand. And it is a really, really useful tool if we use it correctly. If we use it correctly. But if we use it wrongly... It has the ability to destroy our lives. And so one of the most basic functions of the mind that I think would be really important to touch on right now as we're all sitting together is desire, right? This is a really, really powerful function of the mind. But I'm not talking about the objects of desire. Let's think about the function of desire, you know, not the outcome of desire, but what is desire itself? So I, I invite you to sort of ask yourself this question. Not the object of the desire, but the function of desire, right? Not the outcome of the desire, but what is desire itself? Is it a movement? Is it what moves, you know, one cup from one place to another? Is it a general want to create, you know, a situation different than the situation it's in? You know, maybe this, this, all of this can be looked at as desire. And we all have them, of course, you know. And desire is perfectly normal because there are human aspects and elements to desire, that again, you know, they contribute to the continuity of our life. But the, de the type of desire that I'm talking about is a desire that we believe is worth more than a human life. I'm talking about a desire that seems to be worth destroying the lives of others 
including our own peace and our own tranquility. These are the types of desires that are dangerous. And these are the types of desires that contribute to a lot of inner conflict. The desire to be more beautiful than we feel, the desire to be wealthy, the desire for a partner. Now, all of these are rational desires, but it's the relationship to these desires that I think is really important to understand and reflect on. I'm not going to go too much into this because uh, as it relates to meditation, desire is the mind's attempt to try and figure out something. As it pertains to the meditation, desire is the mind's attempt to try and figure out something. And so if we understand that this is the nature of the mind, to, to understand, to try and create formulas and patterns of behavior, then we'll quite naturally come to a place of stillness and peace and uh, awareness because we'll know that nothing the mind can think can ever be who we really are. It can help us navigate through life, but it can never understand the magnitude and the beauty of who you are as a spirit. The mind can never understand that. So I invite you to check in with yourself now if you can and really feel your ego, which we can also call the ego, the mind. Feel all of its movement, you know, feel all of its thoughts arising in your screen of consciousness and be aware that this is what the mind does. Be aware of all of the thoughts and sensations that are coming up in your mind as you sit listening to this podcast or even just in regular everyday life. If you take this practice with you out into the street, really, really be start beginning to be attentive and pay attention to the thoughts that arise and understand that this is just what your mind and your ego is programmed to do. It's trying to figure things out. And while you're watching, you're not making the mistake of identifying with any of the movement. Identifying meaning, you know, not confusing these thoughts as being a part of the deepest aspect of us. Instead, we look at, you know, thoughts as a product of our conditioning, is a product of our environment, something that we've learned uh, perhaps in the past, maybe something that we've learned in the past and something that did not originally start with us at birth. And this is a beautiful, beautiful realization because we can finally free ourselves from the clutches of the illusion that we are our thoughts, that we are our ego, that we are, are a product of everything that we've ever experienced in life. We may be to some extent, but we don't have to identify our beingness and our spirit with these experiences. And this can provide freedom to a lot of people that undergo various traumas of the past, is realizing that you are not what you thought you knew about yourself. And this can be a very, very freeing, a very, very beautiful experience. So if we're looking then, if we're looking now together with the sort of what Krishnamurti, Jiddu Krishnamurti calls the flame of attention, basically being fully present to this energy arising and moving in your mind, then you'll notice You'll notice that instead of misidentifying yourself with your mind, there's something, there's something other than thought that can operate. Something maybe much more vast, much more pure. And of course, we won't put a name on it because to try and identify with this force is to automatically place us into the realm of ego yet again. Then it ceases to be understood because in contrast, awareness can only be experienced. This is something really important to understand. Awareness can only be experienced it cannot be fully understood. It can be understood conceptually, but the whole basis of spirituality is not a conceptual framework. This is something that we're trying to free ourselves from most of the time. Spirituality is an experience. It can only be experienced. It cannot be understood. So as we go deeper into our awareness, perhaps maybe, maybe at this moment, 
Maybe we've arrived at the place of beingness or some level of beingness, depending on where you are. Maybe we found ourselves in that space between the words, that innocence that you know comes before the learning. Maybe we found ourselves at the I that comes before the name that we've all been given. This is the realm. This is the unnameable, undefinable. In my experience, this is ever so pure and the most alive space that you can be. You know, and this is what it means to be sensitive, right? This is what it means to be honest and sincere. The ego is really, really serious. Ego is a very serious sort of function, right? It can make the practice of meditation a very serious endeavor with all of its conditions and expectations and things like that. But awareness, awareness makes meditation sincere. There's a difference. Sincerity arises from the place of authenticity, right? Rises from the place of presence, unbound by time. And seriousness is a little different. Seriousness comes from a place of a sort of imperative action driven by our desires to have something work a certain way. There's so much to gain in seriousness and there's so much to lose in sincerity. But I invite you, if you can, to really look at what you consider loss in the practice of meditation, or at least in the practice of this meditation. A student once asked Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, we all know the Buddha, he's the man, a student asked him what he gained from meditation. And what he responded with is that he gained nothing, absolutely nothing. But he says, I can tell you what I have lost. I've lost my anxieties, my stresses, my misidentification with form. I've lost my inner struggles. And underneath all of that loss, there I was the whole time. There I was waiting to love myself. There I was waiting to experience reality purely from the place of now. See, to lose the world and give it all away is the mechanism that allows us to get it all back. When I say it all, meaning our divine freedom. So as we sit in this space, or whatever space that you're in, really embrace this vibration. You know, I invite you to feel how beauty penetrates and unfolds through this vibration, not in a conceptual way. Not a conceptual way, but through the very fact that it exists at all. And at this time, why don't we just check in with our breathing? Feel the way that the air feels going in and out of your lungs. If you can right now, you don't have to practice breathing a certain way. I just want you to be present with your breathing right now in this moment while you're listening to my voice. But don't interrupt the flow that is happening naturally inside of your body. Don't do it. I know that the mind will do it, but if you can, just... Try not to do that because you'll notice, you'll notice that you won't have to control your breathing, right? If you're paying attention to your breathing right now, you'll notice that you won't have to control your breathing. You know why? Because your body will do this for you. Your body will take care of this for you. What a relief that you don't have to sit here all day long, 24 hours a day, trying to control how you breathe because your body takes care of it. And at this moment, uh, maybe like a peculiar notion may come into your frame of focus at this moment, which is that it will seem as though, it'll seem as though breathing is both voluntary and involuntary. In other words, you can choose to either witness yourself breathing or you can control and manipulate the breath. And both of these notions are conceptually true. You can either allow your body to breathe for you or you can get into the process of interrupting the flow and controlling it yourself. And uh, maybe this will naturally lead to the understanding that the act of breathing seems really arbitrary in a lot of ways. But the reason we pay very close attention to our breathing and meditation is because it is the most practical way 
for us to know whether or not we're really engaged with awareness or, or operating from ego. So do you notice that when we pay too much attention to our breathing, as far as, you know, wanting to control perhaps, you know, breathing from the diaphragm or the stomach or maybe even holding our breath, you notice that we start to interrupt the natural flow, which of course, you know, leads to a lot of tension inside of our body. This can produce panic. This can create anxiety. It can leave us feeling agitated because by attempting to control a natural function of the universe and nature only interrupts it even more, right? When we think that we know better than the body does. We start trying to intervene into a natural process. Breathing, for example, we can create tension and anxiety inside of ourselves because of this mistrust that we have for our bodies. And so this is the perfect metaphor for how we should be aware of the mind, which is to acknowledge the mind as a tool, to acknowledge the mind as a mechanism that allows us to engage with Mother Gaia. And because our bodies are made of the same elements that we find in nature, we aren't separate from nature. We are not separate from it. And because nature is a part of the universe, we ourselves are not separate from that universe. You may speak this out conceptually inside of your mind, but understand what this means by really, really feeling what this discovery entails. You know, what does it mean to be the universe? Question mark. What does it mean to be God and the creator? Question mark. Right? Really, really think about that. To naturally arrive at this inquiry, I, I'd like you to tap back into your openness. If you aren't already there, you probably are. Why don't you at this time, if you can, become really alert to your senses, your hearing, your sense of touch, your sight? Because this is the most truthful indication that you are God because the sounds that are occurring around you at this moment, these sounds are being translated through uh, certain frequencies. We can call them audible decibels and frequency ranges that your ears can pick up, that your ears can hear. The cells of your skin are absorbing the temperature of the world outside, the moisture, the richness, the heat, the cold. You know, it's all processing these sensations on your skin, you know, in the same way as you look, you know, with your eyes, your eyes are translating these images into the inside of your eye and out towards the sort of visual cortex. And so a beautiful thing happens in this understanding, which is that you are literally creating the universe from within inside of you. And it is all one occurrence. It is all one happening. You know, it is all what Alan Watts calls a happening. And so it doesn't become a question of what meaning life has. The very fact that we exist at all is the meaning. Deepak Chopra has this quote that says, we should all be in a perpetual state of amazement that we even exist. And it's totally true. This is something that we sometimes take for granted, the fact that we even exist at all. And not even just that, the fact that we exist with everything else that is occurring around us at the same time is insane. It is bananas when you think about it. So it's my hope that we have arrived to the realm of openness and awareness to some level. Uh, in other words, that we have naturally quiet our minds so that you know we can all arrive here in this room together and reinforce through some level of understanding, hopefully a devout understanding, that this is really the only real moment that there is. And any other want or desire to be anywhere else is a desire articulated purely by the ego and not from our true selves. See, this is this is the beauty is that we're not forcing ourselves into the moment. We're not surrendering willingly to the moment. 
We're not surrendering because we have been convinced that the moment is all there is. Instead, we arrive in the moment through the understanding that surrender is all there is because there's nothing to hold on to. At the very core, there's nothing to hold on to. Everything is moving and changing, and the only thing we can do is move with the change. Or we can move against it. That's up to you. You see, this is really the reason the ego exists. It exists from a certain state of fear, for most cases. It comes from our fear of feeling certain emotions that come along with you know, the human experience. And uh, an attempt to alleviate itself from that suffering, it does what it thinks is the best option, which is it creates a separate personality, isolated from life, in attempt to protect itself from experience. And you see, by, by separating yourself from life is to live purely in a type of illusion of time and past and future. Because if you think that separating yourself from life will bring you peace, you'll discover that the very thinking is what will prevent you from reaching that peace. Because uh, to live life is to live with courage. It's, you have to be really, really courageous in order to take on this life because it's fucking hard. It's not easy. To live life is to live the love affair with the unknown. It is to live dangerously, dangerous meaning, to fully embrace all that is unknown and possible within the infinite multiplicity of the universe. And to dive into the mystery of that and realizing that you, you yourself are the mystery. That's such a crazy thought, right? You yourself are the mystery. You yourself are the meaning of life that you've been looking for this entire time. And that should amaze you. So I invite you at this time and at this moment to fall in love with your mystery, to fall in love with the unknown force, the unknown that watches quietly behind your eyes, that feels the softness of the world and everlasting compassion for your journey. You know, it is that which remains ever present and untethered and uh, undamaged by the polarities of our world because it is in this space this space of beingness and openness that we will begin to awaken to a peace that's always been there the entire time, only we were looking in the wrong places to find it. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this was useful. So I'd like to, if I could, just kind of close it out with a nice little affirmation and a prayer, thanking the Great Spirit for allowing us the wonderful gift of creativity, for allowing us the space to understand beauty and love and virtue and compassion. And as we allow our lights to shine, may it influence and inspire others to do the same so that we can all evolve into the creators that we were really meant to be. Thank you guys for tuning in to Vine Nobody's podcast. It was really, really an honor to be able to share space with you today and hopefully bring you into a space a little bit more subtle, a space that you can access in your regular everyday life. That is the space of awareness and peace, something that you inherently already have. You have it within you. Don't need to really look anywhere else. You have it inside. But we have to peel through the, layer, the layers of conditioning and the sort of hard exterior that we've built over time in order to get to that softness, in order to get to that space of innocence inside of you. And continue doing this. Continue just being present with yourself and being present with your thoughts and fully understanding why those thoughts exist, why they have to exist, but also uh, not to over-identify with them as they come. Because they can be friends, they can be pals, they can really help you out. But it's all about practicing balance, 
awareness and just being present with what's around you. So thank you guys for tuning in to Buy Nobody's Podcast. You can find our episodes on YouTube if you want to watch the video aspect of the podcast. If you go into the description of the episode, you can find that. You can also follow us on Instagram where we post all of our all of our content and just a sort of daily feed and keep up to date on what's going on. Like and subscribe. You can also go to divinenobodies.com. That's divine-nobodies.com in order to listen to our episodes if you don't have an audio platform. If you're on either one of these platforms, like and subscribe. Leave us a review. It really, really shows us how we're doing and what's going on. We'll definitely talk to you soon. Thank you guys again. Have a good day. Namaste, friends.